0: up everybody. You're now at your favorite stop for all things sports, politics and culture. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncy,
1: a production of Thatcast Network. Hey now, say now. You're tuned into the Wake Up and Win podcast and I am your host Devon Pouncy. We are here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon at the Living the Dream Studios. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, I got D-Boy alongside me. What's going on, player? What's up, baby? Man, glad to be back at it behind this microphone, ready to rock out. So much to talk about. It's really a lot out there to discuss. And I'm going to touch on a lot of different things today and... It will actually be an unorthodox episode because usually we end the episode with taking L's. But today, once we start getting into our content, I actually want to start off with the taking l segment to get us up and going and then we'll dig into, you know, the NFL playoffs and how me and you aren't necessarily the greatest analysts when it comes to that sport because both of the teams that we predicted to be Super Bowl champions got rolled over. So we'll get into that, and we'll obviously maybe talk a little bit about Marshawn Lynch and his wise words that he had earlier this weekend, make our predictions, et cetera, et cetera. All that will come. But taking L's will get us started. But even before we get to taking L's, we got to make some announcements because, obviously, we keep it rocking and rolling. Got a whole lot going on, and so I'll start off on my end. Let's see. Let's just start off with Portland State University. Um, A couple games coming up. One game this Saturday, they'll face off against Idaho State, 7 5 tip-off. It'll be at the Viking Pavilion, and then that will be followed up Monday. They play against Weber State at the Viking Pavilion as well, and that'll be a 705 tip-off. And then uh, both games on Pluto TV, so that's where you can go check it out, get the Pluto TV app. That is the most efficient way to be able to watch those games and hear me on the call. Um, But also be on the lookout, especially next week. I'll probably give a little bit more details about it, but um, at the end of the month, January 30th, I believe, there's three games I'll be doing this year on 11 Sports. So that's actually uh, Eleven Sports is a network that is a part of a cable provider, a cable company. Um, I know their games are broadcasted on ATT UVerse, DirecTV, Dish, all pretty much of the big time cable providers outside of Comcast and Xfinity, which probably a lot of you have. But either way, if you don't, um, I would definitely, I'll definitely be giving you more details on the three games that I'll be doing here in the near future on 11 Sports Network. Um, Pacific University got a game Friday that I'll be doing at Pacific. They got the Wits this weekend. Anybody that knows Division III NCAA basketball, you know that the Wits are two powerhouses. Whitman always at the top and ranked pretty much in the top five throughout the season, Whitman University. And you also have Whitworth University, who's always hovering around in that top 15, top 20 as well. Um, So they're always the toughest games. They're the toughest games, especially in the Northwest Conference, which Pacific plays in, that teams look forward to, knowing that you're going to have both of these teams either coming in that weekend, which they'll be doing here in Forest Grove, or you got to go out and play your two weekend games at the Wits. It's always one that you kind of get amped up for because you know that the toughest competition that you'll probably play in the season will be those two teams. So, Um, Both of those games, the Whitman game will be Friday. I will be on the call for that, women's and men's. The women's team is still undefeated in conference play, 4-0. They are rocking and rolling right now. And then the men's game will follow at 8 p.m. on Friday. Saturday they play as well, but I'll be at Portland State rather than Pacific. Um, Also, still got one more date for export this month. DJing, rocking it out at export. That'll be next Saturday January 25th so keep that on your radars it'll be the last vibes for the month of January and then February dates will soon follow but we'd love to see y'all out there on the rooftop at the 16th floor um because the vibes are always a one up there the aesthetics are not to be matched and the drinks are pretty good as well ladies and gentlemen I know y'all want to have a cocktail on a Saturday night so come on and rock out there um I think that's it for me. I, I do have some more stuff coming up, but that can wait till a little later on. But D-Boy, you got anything coming up? Any big events? Comedy Talk show, comedy show, man. Yeah. Dirty Comedy yeah. right, What we
0: say? We on number five, six? Something six. like that, six. That's coming up on uh, Wednesday the 22nd, so a little bit less than a week away now. So it's crunch time. We pushing tickets. We pushing flyers. We at barbershops, beauty salons, <laughs> the whole night. You feel me? So come on out. Next week, I believe 7 p.m. Um, is with the start time or the yeah, doors, the door's open. open. Yeah, yeah. And then eight o'clock, we're gonna be rocking and rolling. So uh next Wednesday, come see a good night of comedy and myself performing a song or two. And then um on the 24th, I'll be performing in the Bay Area in Sassoon uh with with young Alfie and the crew. Uh we we got Maniac Flame in the building. We yeah. got we got New Money Breeze in the building. And we got Tee in the building. So it's a real family affair and a buzz down. So 22nd out here in Portland, 24th out in the Bay. So it's no excuse not to tap in and see me t- sometime soon. And then I'll be in LA right after that. So my whole little circuit, oh, yeah. you feel me? Booked them busy, baby. West
1: Coast, baby. Booked and busy, booked them yes, busy. Yes, indeed. So that's all I got for announcements. There you go. We got through that pretty quick. Like I said, it's still obviously a lot more, but it can wait. I want to dig into some content, and as I mentioned before, D-Boy, we are going to start this podcast episode out different because we're going to start with the Taking L segment. Um, Obviously, we've explained it time and again, the Taking L segment is a segment where we discuss who takes either a loss or a lesson. You can kind of figure that out for yourself, whether you feel our take is coming, is giving somebody a loss or something, a loss, or if our take is really trying to... Teach a lesson based on whatever the chosen topic is. Um throughout the rest of the show, we'll continue to give our winning formulas like we do because it is the Wake Up and Win podcast. But we'll start it off with the take an L segment. And I want to start off with the plethora of layoffs happening across the country at iHeartRadio. Um, I don't want to use the word triggering because I'm kind of over it nowadays, but um, I definitely can relate. I can, I can empathize with. I can sympathize with. You name it, the several personalities, program directors, employees that were laid off in local radio throughout the country, including right here at the iHeartRadio station in Tigard, Oregon. Um, you know, obviously, I had a pretty wild story as far as when I was laid off back in 2017. I was actually laid off on my daughter's birthday, so that made it even crazier of a day, is the day that's supposed to be a good happy day, we're supposed to be celebrating my daughter, ended up being the day that I got laid off from doing my radio show at a local level, so I can totally understand the wild array of feelings that exist when getting laid off from radio, I mean you got confusion, you get supported, so sometimes that can help you out, but also There's times where you really don't want to hear the good and the positive and the support that people have for you because your confusion, your anger, um, your stress levels are a lot more intense than the support that you're getting, which is still good to receive because... There will come a time where those stress levels kind of come down. There will come a time where the confusion will kind of come down because, you know, you still got to bounce back and get it together and put one foot in front of the other, especially if you want to have a career in that particular field. So being able to kind of come back to that support that you weren't necessarily um, a great recipient of because you just were so angry and just in a mood that didn't really want to hear the supportive things that folks has to say, it is still nonetheless to have that support come your way because it will be kind of a launching pad for you to move forward after you get backed up from being knocked down. But um, I think really what interests me more than anything outside of, like I said, my personal experiences and me, you know, wanting to send my well wishes to, the many local radio hosts that lost their jobs this week and are still losing their jobs it's a running list it more so happened in the realm of music mm-hmm. um, sports stations weren't really affected as much because I've seen the list um, news stations weren't necessarily affected as much I even asked Justin My boy Justin Myers, who I did the show with when we were over at Alpha, I asked him, I'm like, hey, man, you all good? I'm just checking in to make sure you didn't get laid off this week because he works for Rip City Radio, which is an iHeart station. And he essentially said none of the sports guys got touched, which also makes sense because they have a little bit of a double backing at that particular station, being that they're contracted with NBC Sports Northwest, but kind of looping you into this, D-Boy, as a local artist who... Actually knows one of the local personalities that got laid off here in radio. Um, how do you feel about really the changing landscape of the <laughs> entire industry and the DJ that an artist in a local radio DJ, uh, had a radio DJ had or had to have, mm-hmm. and that was sort of like the pinnacle of success, and that was sort of the biggest connection that you had in the music industry to now. Mm-hmm. We don't really see anymore. They're getting dropped left and right. How so does that first change? Off,
0: first off, do you think that like the streaming is the direct correlation as to why it's only the music? 100%. That you, that's why you think the sports and everything is pretty much safer, I guess you would say,
1: right now. because they have, and I think streaming, playlisting, which obviously derives from streaming as well. um, Now you know what what records are doing numbers and that makes it a lot easier for you to decide what records are going to get played over the airwaves. You're not hearing as many DJs breaking records anymore because they pretty much have their hands tied because Mm -hmm. the higher ups are telling them you have to play this record or you have to play that record because they're already having success.
0: And and then, I think coming from an artist standpoint, like it's not really much different for me seeing like these DJs get laid off and all that kind of stuff. It's not really a direct effect with me because I feel like for at least the past five to six years, even as the streaming situation has grown to become popular and really the forefront of how we listen to music today, as it was transitioning to that, you still didn't have much control as a DJ over what you were personally playing. You had to cater to a list. The program director was pretty much telling you what you had to play. And we we got some insight with some DJs who absolutely grew frustrated over that because you almost felt like you were already pretty much just playing a playlist. If you're not being able to break artists that you genuinely feel like you... Uh, have discovered or that's your yeah. break that's when the term breaking an art is coming out so yeah. mixes I are think, another one being yeah. able to show
1: showcase your yeah. ability to scratch your ability to f- create a vibe essentially right. so for me personally
0: bro outside of like local like radio segments that cater to local artists and music um radio dj's never really been somebody i had to focus on really developing a big-time relationship with. I did that by default. Like you said, being in these iHeart events, being in the music industry for as long as I have, it's like you see face, you show face, it's love, you hear these people, all of that. So I think it's more so just on a personal relationship whether than like, oh, it's affecting me as an artist because they really couldn't play my stuff anyway outside of the permitted yeah. times that these program directors have allowed for them. And so... It's always been club DJs for me. That's it's playing the game. You know what I mean? Pulling up to the club, seeing what they playing, seeing what's working in the club. Uh you got a little bit more freedom in the club, people drinking. It's not so it's not people paying for advertisement to where you gotta, you know, coincide with the top forty. It's like you might be able to break a new one in the club where yeah. you don't got no PD over your head in the airwaves where you gotta really worry about that. So me personally I've always taking it to the club and politic that way, buying the DJ drinks, developing that relationship. So I don't really
1: see it that much. Cause That's interesting that you say that, though, because you just really kind of think about a radio record. If you're somebody that consumes radio, it's either going to go one of two ways. Either you're going to like a record when you first hear it, or you're not going to like a record when you first hear it. But it's kind of a better opportunity for that record to grow upon you because yeah, you're hearing, you're it, so hearing it over and over and over right. again, where I do think that there is more of a genuine and real experience, essentially, that comes with the vibe that's created in the club from your music, mm-hmm. the vibe that's created, the atmosphere it creates, people dancing, people reacting mm-hmm. on the spot, especially. And I'll even go as far as saying you have people that are drinking. So they are. What do what they? What do people say? It's kind of like the it's analogy. Almost, it's kind of like. like the analogy where they say drunk words or sober thoughts. Where you get more of the realness of a person. If the DJ is bad, people are gonna be more vocal about it. If the DJ is good, people are gonna be more vocal about it. Right. People make their requests. People complain and people have shit to say essentially about the vibe created in the atmosphere that they happen to be drink happen yeah, to be drinking, drinking liquor, in. liquor in. Where in on the radio, <laughs> so, you pretty
0: much know what you are gonna hear. You right. gonna hear the guys' plans and the top, like all the same stuff over and over and over again. Yeah. Where. In the club, you might be like, oh, this DJ getting off. Like, I'm hearing some stuff that I ain't heard before, but it's in the same lane as what's already working. So, like, the A1s and stuff, them is valuable relationships to me more so than a radio DJ because I know that I can make a record that I have already in my mind as a party record or a club banger, and I can test it out. Like you said, trial and error. The DJ plays it in the club, and it keeps that same momentum or more now he's playing that every time. He's yeah. bought in. Now that's a part of his club playlist, you right, feel right. me, where it's, it's harder to get get that opportunity on radio. Once you do, like you said, your music has the opportunity to grow on people, get familiar. But I like
1: that, that club banger, for real. That's interesting. And I, I'm glad you gave that perspective, because I honestly... I mean, I know you are somebody that like we talk about radio records often and obviously you've made several radio appearance appearances like you utilize radio as a part of your own kind of marketing tool and as a part of something for you to be able to create plays off of essentially to try and advance your career. So I'm sort of interested in hearing about it kind of sounds like to me. Obviously, not on a personal level, you don't want to see anybody losing their jobs, but it kind of sounds like this was something that was brewing, and that was going to happen anyway, because... Yeah, it's just unfortunate (laughs) to the livelihood of people, but it really doesn't,
0: as an artist, I'm not like, damn, Now it's like, that's somebody that I knew in that, it's like, you know, it's cool, like, for example, we know somebody who who just recently got laid off, and he interviewed me last uh, year outside of the Blazer game during the uh, Western Conference Finals. And I was actually gonna be performing that night, and he didn't know that at the time, but I was just walking up and due to him knowing me and knowing that I had the Blazer song, like he the radio DJ brought me out. You know how the radio DJ yeah, is outside, it's game. all kind of festivities. And so right. little things like that helped because it's like because of the personal relationship we had, that was an extra opportunity, an extra interview that worked in my favor. But it's a collective, like you said, like my song being on the radio that's just one part of it, but it holds more weight because I'm consistently working and hitting so many ways where they like, damn, he just did a show at such and such and damn he just collabed with such and such and now I'm hearing him on the radio and now he has a a a, a newspaper art. Like it's everything at once kind of working mm-hmm.
1: but the radio DJ has never held that much weight to to yeah. me, you know. That's interesting, man, because like I said, obviously my radio experience has been through the realm of sports, and I had my sports radio show, as I mentioned. I was laid off from my sports radio show, but every time I see something like this happen where I hear about a friend of mine that I used to work with that's no longer working in radio, that no longer has a job, you hear about these wave of layoffs, it really makes me grateful for one of my mentors, who I won't even name, but... One of my mentors telling me when I first came into radio to make sure that I had my own content, make sure that I had my own production, and make sure that I was being creative outside of just the radio station. Utilize the radio station for it for what it's worth, but it's a tough industry to crack. It can be a cutthroat industry. Make sure that. My podcast, obviously, which is what we're doing right here with Wake Up and Win, that I keep that going that I keep that rolling because I'm one that can also vouch for the fact that when you do get laid off, it definitely disrupts your creative energy mm-hmm. because there's so many things that come into play. As you mentioned, livelihoods, um, you know, the bills my, don't stop when you don't do. stop when you look, <laughs> the bills, the bills don't stop the accessibility to certain things that you had accessibility to that does stop. So now it's like, okay, my whole career is just taking a drastic shift here because I was able to create off of certain accessibility that I had as a host or that I had as a personality program director, you name it. Now all of that essentially gets cut off. So I have to redirect my content and that could be a tough thing to do in itself as a creative. I think the good creatives figure out a way to navigate through all of that and they make it happen. But nonetheless, it's a wrench in your situation situation for sure. sure. So I'm grateful that, you know, when I hear these stories, it always reminds me of the piece of advice. And I would say this to anybody, essentially, especially folks that got laid off or if there's anybody younger or that hasn't gotten to the point of being in this industry but wants to make it happen one day. Make sure that you're creating your own production. Make sure you're creating your own content that will always and forever be yours. So regardless of if you have the high moment where your dream comes tr- comes true and you have a radio show like I was able to do in my early 20s, like I literally had my dreams come to fruition as my first gig, essentially. You can still have your content there while you're going through that process or When it all falls down, which it did for me as well, I still had my Wake Up and Win content to be able to piggyback and rely on. So, um, yeah, I just want to encourage creatives to make sure that you are out creating your own work because there are multiple streams, multiple outlets and multiple ways to be able to get that done. And try not to rely on the corporations if you don't have to, because it's a tough industry, man. (laughs) It's a tough industry. But next up, we will now get into our NFL predictions going forward because our ones in the past weren't so great. Keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncy.
0: Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network.
1: So D Boy, talk to me. It's four teams remaining. Mm -hmm. Neither one of those teams are the New Orleans Saints. Neither one of those teams are the Baltimore Ravens. You lost before me though. Yeah, because I had a wild card game. (laughs) But we both still lost our first game. Neither one of us came out with a win. (laughs) Neither one of us advanced out of the first round that we had to play in. We lost in a wild card. Predictions, terrible. terrible. We and, lost in an overtime game that is, and I don't, don't want to say we because I'm a Raider fan, so it's really not we. I'm not I want to say the team I predicted to win the Super Bowl. He said I'm not a Raider. <laughs> I quit on them. <laughs> and they, they went to Vegas. Yeah, and done. it's over. I keep the beanie for uh, cold purposes. <laughs> I'm done with
0: him, Cuddy. This ain't So I'm you're rapping. no longer a Raider fan? Oh, I'm done. I put it on record. It's Twitter. official. It's official. On the record. It's official. Because this is going out to everybody. Some girl on Twitter was talking head back to me, talking about, oh, you'll be back next week. I mean, next, whenever the season. I won't, Caddy. Where are you just, going? I'm nowhere. Seahawks. <laughs> 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 I'm a fan of football. At least Cutty. you got a black quarterback, yeah, back, damn yeah. it. I'm, I'm done with it, Caddy. <laughs> the Raiders, it's like, uh-uh. I'm done with them, bro. You done. It's over. Yeah, I stay they loyal to the soil. I don't need to go to Vegas with them. <laughs> I'll go to enjoy myself, you. and if I catch it, but you just you don't even feel it. I don't know, bro. Even the last game, it was just ugly, bro. You seen all the trash it's been ugly for a while. talking the car It's just it's not what I want to be a part of anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm out of there. Damn. <laughs> and that's rare to hear from a Raider it, fan it because crazy, we are bro. the most. Loyal fan base, the nation—it's only one nation. Like we rock, steady and heavy. I'm done. But you're you're out of there. I'm out of there. Damn, I think think it's been what
0: 15? (laughs) We've been weak for more than that. Bad for a while. Even even the Lakers—we went we rode it through the trenches, but they only gave us about four years of weakness. And now that we're right back back gonna win a champion, you can't give me 16 years of this badness. (laughs) I'm sorry, I I stuck it out long as I can. They're going... Bro, it's a 49er billboard outside the Coliseum right now in Oakland. Wow, Have you seen yeah, that circulating? Uh, no, I haven't. Cuddy. The, you know the little electronic thing? <laughs> what the fuck? They're still playing. Bro. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, yeah, yeah, the electronic what uh, advertisement board yeah. outside
1: the Oakland Coliseum.
0: Yeah. 49er down. Bang, and gold. bang, Talkin niner about, game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm done with the Raiders. banks So are you so would you ever be a Niners fan though? No. no. Hell no. <laughs> I said a fan of football. Yeah, or the yeah. Seahawks, which mm-hmm. who hates the Niners I as well. Pee right so quick. you probably can live with that essentially, but yeah. I um mm-hmm. Now that that's over with, like I said, we both are bad. Obviously, I got let down by the New Orleans Saints. I expected Drew Brees to at least be able to get him past the Minnesota Vikings, who the Niners destroyed last week. So I was way off there. And one thing that I did tell you is that in the case of Lamar Jackson, the game was going to slow down tremendously it gets a lot more physical. It's a lot more meticulous. It's yeah, it a lot showed. more pounded show. out you football. Was right about that. And playing against Tennessee with Derrick Henry out there running mm. that ball, they controlled the game.
0: They
1: controlled the game. <laughs> they
0: controlled the game. I got KC winning it all. I know where you're going with this. Kansas KC City win it all? Kansas it all. No, yeah, period. No, if. But no they're if not. Fans are, are they
1: the best team in football? Like, do you think they're the best team in football? They're going to win Why? the championship. Why do you the believe Super that? Bowl? Why do you believe that? Cause I currently, you think the Niners, huh? I think the Niners. You're I, wrong. I think the Niners are the best team in football. Let me say that. I don't necessarily think the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl, but I will say this: whoever wins the NFC. So if the Niners win, which I don't think is going to happen, I think they'll lose to Aaron Rodgers this week. See, I but think it'll in be the opposite. case that I the think Niners if the, win, whoever
0: went out of the Texas, I mean the Tennessee Titans and um, Kansas who City who I just said, I think will be a Super, Super Bowl chance.
1: I think Green Bay. And I actually did say one thing I will say was back when we when we yeah, mentioned the Saints, yeah. I said, said Green, Green Bay is gonna get there. And then. I was like, nah. And yeah, it. I mm-hmm. said Green Bay. So I'm still gonna roll with Green Bay being able to go and right. beat the Niners. And if they beat the Niners, giving I'm, all, I'm, I'm, I'm giving yeah. it to them. I'm give, giving it to him. I'll go with the Chiefs. I think obviously. the Chiefs
0: I think the Chiefs have I think the Chiefs would prefer to play the Packers over the Niners. I will say that. I think the Niners would be a tougher opponent for the Chiefs, but I think um
1: who that offense versus that defense because that's what it is. That that's Niner what I'm saying. That, that's what I'm relentless. saying. The Niners defense and then the yeah, other thing power that's power good that- for
0: the Niners is that they do have a strong running game too. Yeah. I think the Titans have the best running game in football right now. Right. And that helps them deeper in. Like you said, we're at the end of the year. People have been playing for damn near a year straight now. They they're tired. They're yeah, they're getting it's a a, long they on fumes now. And yeah. in, in that ground pound game. It It'll helps, it helps yeah. keep the defense off the field. It helps just control the possession. All of that matter. the time of possession. And Absolutely. So I don't see the Titans winning a Super Bowl, but I just think that teams that have a strong running game, I think the Aaron Rodgers situation, they're going to strongly depend on passing. And Aaron,
1: if that, Aaron Jones got out a bit, but though. They got I, a and good running game. they hey, have you, both. You
0: think it, that's because well, Aaron Rodgers is so but good. That's what, I'm, what I'm saying is Aaron Rodgers is probably going to still throw 40-something passes. You know what I mean? 35 yeah. to 42 passes. But he's that good. He is. that. That's what <laughs> you know I'm what saying. But, yeah. but what I mean is the Niners' D is so good that if that pass attack gets stopped, I'm not as confident in a run game as I am with somebody like Tennessee. Yeah. I could see Tennessee's passing game getting stopped, and you really still can't stop Henry. Yeah, you, you can't stop You him. can't stop him. Like yeah. I've watched it enough now. Like, you can't stop that dude. Yeah. So <laughs> even <laughs> when the pass... He's in, a monster. in. in, in, in not only is the uh, the line good, but the Niners got good DBs, too.
1: The Niners have the best defense the, yeah, man, in football. That's what I'm saying. Top so to it's bottom, like, they got the best defense in football. If it's somebody who can
0: shut down Aaron Rodgers or give him a tough day, it's going to be the Niners because they're going to bring a crazy rush. Their D-line is sick. And then you really only got one side to throw it to
1: because you're not throwing it to Shurn. See, I think adversely from that. I more so have the mentality that if there's anybody that could break down that, that Niner defense... You think it's Rodgers. It's Aaron Rodgers. Yes. It's I mean, Aaron, and, and you're not running that way either. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's. I guess you can kind of really think about it from both ways. And but that's you're what saying said, the same thing just in two different ways. But, but I think Mahomes,
0: if, you know, I think Mahomes playing the Niners give the Niners a little bit more... Like, like I said, Aaron Rodgers could only beat him in the air. Mahomes, no, is it, a, he ain't going to run too much.
1: But Aaron
0: Rodgers is a mobile quarterback. I know, he's but it's different between a mobile quarterback and a running quarterback. Mahomes will go run and get you 26 yards uh, over and over again type shit. You feel For me? sure. Like, Mahomes is a Aaron monster. Rodgers is mobile, but he's not a running quarterback. Yeah, so, but,
1: but that's a lot. And a lot of that reason has to be. But And that's what makes it tough about Aaron Rodgers is mm-hmm. that Aaron Rodgers is good at moving around in the pocket. And that makes it tougher on what you already mentioned, which are still really good DBs. When you have somebody who just doesn't get tackled, that's where the Niners have been able to get to these quarterbacks that they've had to play so far. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they only played against Kirk Cousins, which isn't the greatest test. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in seeing them play against this Green Bay team, which they beat earlier in the year, but completely different season. I don't even really incorporate that into what I believe can be or will be this weekend but Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback who knows how to stay on his feet and he knows how to put the ball in the bread basket he's so precise with his passes and the longer a quarterback can stay on his feet and be precise with the passes and the throws that they make the more pressure that it puts on any defense I think even more so than having somebody who can yeah because Mahomes can do everything. He's a dual threat. He can pass it, and he can run it. But I wouldn't say Mahomes is as necessarily precise as Aaron Rodgers is no, when it comes to throwing he's a he's rock. Mahomes has either. Travis but, but Kelsey, though. and he has some speedy-ass receivers about to say. As that you really about helps him more, out.
0: I, I, you asked the question about who's the best team in football, and I do think it is the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's for the weapons and tools you just named. Plus, you know what my X Factor is, who I got a lot, a lot of respect for? Talk about Coach it. Andy Reid. He's a beast, Cuddy. The way that he sets, I think that matters a lot, too. Like, I watched him set up certain plays and certain tricks. Like, the timing of when he pulls out. it. Like, he's a good
1: coach, bro. He's a great coach. Hall of Fame coach, right? He's a – yeah, he's a great coach, but he's also a coach that never won it. I've never seen him win it. And think, he's had and these kind that's, of that's tools and change. assets in the past. change. And it didn't work out for him. He's here this year. $20. He was here with McNabb. $20. What matter of fact, speaking of bets. <laughs> speaking of bets. $20, before right. we even worry about me and you making a wager, I'm pretty sure you've been making wagers all playoffs. Yeah. Are you betting on the Chiefs I've been this weekend? All you've been play-offs. losing all playoffs. Yeah. So 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 you've been staying consistent. The takes since you have Christmas. on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's when my turn for the worst took
0: is Christmas. Who played on Christmas Day? You remember? Just off the head? I, I watched remember.
1: basketball on Christmas but, day. Yeah, maybe it was, no,
0: it wasn't no football Christmas. Thanksgiving. I lost, yeah, is a, is but, a big yeah, day. So I won football on Thanksgiving. I think the Cowboys played and they lost, remember? And I, that won me some money. Then I bet on basketball Christmas and start losing. And I've been losing ever since basketball and football. Until today. Really? Until today. What you did know? you do today? Put in a three team part lane, hit on their ass. <laughs> <laughs> What were the games? What? Uh, the Pelicans. I had. They was. Uh. They could lose by five and a half points, and I picked that. NBA. Matter, it, yeah, and I picked them to win outright, money line as the underdog. So it was a little bit more weight on that. So uh, I picked that along with. I picked the Phoenix Suns to beat whoever they played by more than two points. And then last but not least, it was one more team that played one of the early games, either four thirty or five oh five. But yeah, it was them three teams. Everybody covered. I'll look for the last one, but it was for sure the Pelicans winning outright. And then um the Suns beating the Knicks by more than two. And then it was one more game. But that was 10 to win 104.
1: And I hit on they ass. So it means you should be a basketball analy- analyst. Because it was of a all yeah, You're right. And I do win more off <laughs> of basketball because it's, yeah, I think yeah. it's just. Oh, and
0: the last one is the one I thought was going to lose it for me. I had to take this one. They had the Celtics' favorite to lose by 11 to. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, and I didn't see that happening. Celtics got a strong team. When I put the bet in, I didn't know Jalen Brown wasn't playing tonight, but uh it still ended up hitting for me. They was down by, like, 22 and came back and lost by only five. So, them was my three teams. Right. Basketball,
1: yep. All right. Well, yep. maybe we should talk about basketball next. But <laughs> Yeah, <'cause> but... <laughs> my football bet's
0: been out of there. But, I mean, I hit for that, too, uh... You know, about a month ago with the Saints, I-, I picked the right number that they'll win by. Whoever they beat badly, I picked that they'll win by between 25 and 30 points, and they won by 27. So, that one hit for me, but I definitely rolled the Texans. Uh, so, quick story about that. Go for it. That's, that was my heartbreak. Last Sunday is when I most lost the most money in the day. When they gave that it I, up. <laughs> yeah, they gave it up. So, so, something came up on me right before... Um, the game started between the Texans and the The Chiefs. Chiefs. And I put in a decent amount uh, on the Texans as the underdogs to win. It just felt right to me. So, as we know, it started off real right to me. 7-0. Then 14-0. Then 21-0. What you think I did? Open the betting app and put some more money on it because I just knew they was going to win at the time. So, I started betting, like I said, on the numbers like if the, now at this point they got a 21-0 lead damn near 24 24 they took so, it to 24-0 so i was betting they'll win by between 25 and 30 31 through 35 14 through 7 like i was betting damn near every single uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah i was yeah, betting yeah. on each number right, pretty like much like point ranges, it, yeah, it gives you like five five uh five numbers so like i said 25 to 30 31 through 35 stuff like that so I was just picking, basically covering all that. Like I was like, up 24 to 0, they for sure going to win me my main money line bet. So now let me just put more juice on it to see how much. I was going to turn like 200 into like 500 that day, and it didn't go my way. I watched it, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, Bill O'Brien pissed me off, and I seen you tweet it. And that's when I knew it was over. When they did that freaking punt, that,
1: yeah. uh, that fake punt, when they yep. did not need to, not the game to shifted,
0: it. and it never went back their way. They never went and back. They went into the, uh, they went into the locker room at halftime down, and then
1: gave up a quick touchdown, and it was once they went down ten, I knew it was and, over. And that was the problem. That was, that the, was problem. the game changer because to me, what that play was, especially being that it didn't work out. That was a dick move. That was dumb. It it was a dick move. That was a dick move. It was a dick move for sure, but even more importantly than that, it gave Patrick Mahomes the vote of confidence that he needed. Mm -hmm. And once you give a player of of that magnitude who can do all the things that Patrick Mahomes can do, Mm -hmm. any type of vote of confidence, you're screwed. I mean, mean, the reality is he's that good of a football player. Like I said, he obviously had a monster in Travis Kelsey who – converted on three of those touchdown passes. And I know he had three damn near all three of them leading up to them being able to get the game back within reach and ultimately getting the lead three out of the four, at least, because they scored on like five straight possessions. But but once you give an offense of that magnitude, of that firepower, of that ammunition, confidence to just start gunning and become shooters, which Mm -hmm. was what – that particular play not even possession because if they punted it off I still think the Houston Texans win that game but because they didn't punt it they gave Patrick Mahomes great field position game went and completely he converted different on it if they punted yeah, it away they would have won. Yeah, won. won I, I, I so. truly believe that because that, crazy. because that offense found that vote of confidence that it needed that team got the momentum that it needed they were still on their home field and that was just probably Bill O'Brien's worst mistake he's ever made as a football coach Mm -hmm. in his entire life. I agree.
0: I agree. And it was to the point where, you know, like I said, at 24 to zero, I was already counting that initial hit. I'm already like, okay, I'm up 200. Let's make this five. Like, you feel me? And it just, it just, everything went wrong that could go wrong after going right for that first five minutes or whatever. So it was just a wrap. That's crazy. We're going to bet on basketball.
1: (laughs) Basketball analysts over here, That's what it is.
0: Football's (laughs) out of there. I don't even have a team no more.
1: (laughs) You want Kansas City, you rocking with. So, yeah, you got Kansas City. I got Green Bay because Green Bay was kind of my 1B um, when it came to which teams were going to win the Super Bowl in the first place. So I'm going to keep rolling with them because I believe in Aaron Rodgers. And you know what else I like about Green Bay politically um, this is just something that I've always, you know, I'm, I'm into this sports and politics intersection. That's what we're all about here on this podcast. And, yes, we throw some culture on top of that as well. But in this particular case, sports and politics and how it intersects, Green Bay is the only publicly owned team in the NFL. I just learned that last week. I appreciate that. I've always appreciated that about them because we know how it is. You always hear the complaints about – a team having an owner and the owner doing anything and not being in tune and caring really having his own interests more so than the interests of the football team of the community of several things that come with being an owner of a football team ultimately, but being able to have this publicly owned team where the community has kind of its own stake in this team has legit stock in this team. I mean, they don't get much from it, but they have it and they can say that they own a, uh, percentage share or whatever the number is of share it is that they own, which is really minuscule, but them being able to have that. And essentially they're being like a board rather than a top down owner. Who's just, overriding people that are in certain positions that probably will make better decisions than he would because that's the reason they got hired in those positions in the first first place. place. You just don't have to deal with that kind of stuff with it being a board that's just solely and genuinely concerned about the team winning basketball games, I mean winning football games, excuse me, bringing money into that economy and the community having a sense of pride in something that they actually have ownership over. That's pretty cool to me. So I like that about Green Bay as well um I guess from more of a political standpoint but next up we'll dig more into the sports and politics realm um I want to talk about the IOC and their recent decision and not allowing uh protests or demonstrations that have to do with politics uh religion and race rape essentially um This year at the Tokyo 2020 game. So keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey.
0: Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network.
1: So as I mentioned, I just felt like I had to discuss this particular topic. And D-Boy, you can chime in on it as much as you please, because we've talked often about protests and demonstrations of protests when it comes to sport, obviously here in America, Colin Kaepernick has been more so the most recent and magnified story where it's been a huge topic of discussion for some years now since well, I think it was what, 2017, 2016, when Colin took the knee and he demonstrated his protest in regards to um, police brutality and how he felt about police brutality here in the United States of America. Um, but now it's reached a bigger scale where the IOC, which is the International Olympic Committee, has come out and put a ban on protests and demonstrations in the Olympics um, that have to do with politics, religion, or race. And to me, it's really disturbing to hear this news. Obviously, on the first front of I am an American and in America we do have First Amendment rights that allow us to be able to demonstrate and to be able to protest in ways that cannot be taken away from us. And we know about, like I said, we know about the Colin Kaepernick situation and him coming to a settlement with the NFL. That's part of the reason that he even had a case in the first place was because it was a a right that he had to be able to do what it was that he did. So it felt as if the the NFL essentially came together to really just go against him from being able to exercise what is a right to him. So I want to make sure I acknowledge that first and foremost, being an American. But where it, I guess, tugs at my heartstrings even more so, because we're talking about a plethora of different oppressed groups. We're talking about oppressed groups all over the world. Oppressed groups that all deal with their own types of oppression where I've always been a guy that says oppressed groups should support each other, but I'm also a guy that understands that each oppressed group doesn't necessarily deal with the same types of oppression. And I think that that's something to be noted and to be uh, keyed in on with what it is that I'm about to say. But when you think of the Olympic Games, an event that only happens every four years, Mm -hmm. and you think of the monumental moments that takes place in the Olympics, such as the raising of the Black Power Fist. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a plethora of other ones. I don't want to get into all of them, but a bunch of moments of protest and demonstration that has created a legacy, essentially, for these certain athletes that only have every four years, for the most part, to be able to even have this platform of this size and this magnitude, to be able to create change within their sport, and be able to res- to represent the oppressed groups that they come from, and ultimately to be able to get more opportunities from that, it disturbs me. Mm-hmm. Because most of these athletes are not NBA athletes. We look at the common athlete as the NBA athlete, especially on a professional level. And these NBA athletes, they have platforms all the time because the NBA has been genius in a way to where it's made itself the biggest, probably one of the biggest, because I know their soccer league's bigger, but it's definitely made itself um, more out there and it's magnified itself year-round to where people are always following what these NBA players are doing, what they're not doing, what they're going through, trades that are happening, what's happening on the court, off the court, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Most other sports, especially most other Olympic sports, athletes don't necessarily have that opportunity to be able to do such a thing so for me i really feel for the athletes who get to come out represent their countries represent where it is that they come from represent whatever religion it is that they're that they're going through and being that slither of hope for their background essentially and when they get the opportunity to put on for their background in the greatest way possible that is being stripped away from them. Mm-hmm. For me, it tugs at my heartstrings a yeah, bit. It's not not right. It, you know what I mean? Like right. it, it tugs at my heartstrings a bit because I love for these athletes to be able to represent themselves and represent their countries in the best way that they know how that many of us don't know how because guess what? We're not from there. We're not from there. So why are we stopping these athletes from being able to create platforms for themselves for their countries for the most part what is the right thing we're taking this away from them I think that that takes away from the education of the world that is brought by the Olympics I don't like that I think it takes a a, a real level
0: of like takes away a level of like freedom of expression damn near like, for sure that's what I have a problem with it's like As long as you're doing it within, like you said, the raising of the fist, like that's just a symbolism that has been created, you know, over time, but it was done the right way. It wasn't done with violence. It wasn't done with uh, profanity. So I just think that it's it's not
1: okay to take away somebody's freedom of expression like that. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's what, like I said, that's what really bothers me more than anything is... I just feel like the educational aspect of the Olympics is going to be taken away and it's going to be hindered greatly. Mm -hmm. Now what I am interested in seeing from that is which athletes are going to be bold enough and brave enough to still stand up and demonstrate whatever it is that they want to demonstrate for their country, but that also runs the risk of them not being able to participate in the Olympics ever again because, like I said, it's an every four-year event. Mm-hmm. It's not a year-in and year-out event. You, you get one season off. You get a certain amount of games off. It's not that when it comes to this sport. Uh, this is a... When it comes to this event, excuse me, this is an event where... People work their entire lives just to get this to this particular point, And they only got one shot at it. They only get one crack at it because their prime isn't necessarily as important because the separation of years from when they get to perform on this particular stage and platform, it just ranges in a much farther stint. And so, like I said, I, I just really, really want to see what athletes are going to come out and still kind of rebuttal this terrible decision that I think is being made by the International Olympic Committee. Um, I, I will be one to support them on my small little platform that I have right here on the Wake Up and Win podcast. Well, you know, I've, I've obviously supported Kaepernick and many other athlete activists here in America alone. So now I want to dig deeper into politics that's going on in the world by way of these athletes, that I believe there's going to be maybe a few, obviously not as many as there could have been. I believe there will be a few that will still kind of rebuttal this whole stance taken by the IOC. So that's all I wanted to really say on that take is those athletes, if you feel like you just have the urge or the need to do it, there's a community out there supporting you to do so because the decision is just nasty ultimately by the IOC. Um, D-Boy, anything you got left? Nah, I covered it with the announcements. They know what it is. Streaming. For sure. For sure. Follow for me. Sure. For sure. not a Y. All
0: that, all that. That's all that. I got for him.
1: I do want to say real quick, I actually meant to say this at the beginning of the episode, more kind of on a downer end, but here in the city of Portland, we did lose a city commissioner, Nick Fish. Um, I haven't gotten around to be able to sort of talk about it here on the podcast. I didn't know Nick Fish the greatest, but... I do a lot of advocacy work here in the city by way of Street Roots, as many of you know. And I've been able to have a few different encounters with Nick Fish, um, you know, in City Hall. Uh, There was a time where Nick Fish worked a lot closer with Street Roots when it came to its advocacy. I would say right now we probably work a lot closer with Commissioner Joanne Hardesty because certain things that we're pushing – within the advocacy realm that have been adopted by the city. Joanne Hardesty is the commissioner that's overseeing that. So we're dealing with her a lot more, but there was a time Nick Fishy got two housing bonds passed here in the city. So during those time periods when that was the advocacy we were working on, not saying we don't work on that type of advocacy anymore, but in the case where he was pushing to get those bonds passed by city council, Street Roots um, was one of the organizations that he worked closely with as far as from an advocacy perspective. Um, like I said, since my stint of being at Street Roots has been during the time also that he's been more sick, he passed away of stomach cancer, so he's been a little bit more sick and kind of dealing with that and having to nurse that as well. So I've gotten to meet him, like I said, on a few different occasions, but who I do know actually pretty well is his wife, Patricia Schechter, because she's done a lot of work with Street Roots since I've been working at Street Roots, even while he's been ill. So she's definitely um, a beautiful human being inside and out, and I really want to send my condolences and well wishes to her and the family and their kids and really just to the entire city, his staff. I mean, I think it's really important to send our condolences over to them because they lost their leader, essentially, as the city commissioner. So um, I just wanted to make sure I acknowledge that here on the podcast because – he was somebody that advocated greatly for housing, which is something I advocate greatly for as well, um, being how closely I work with the houseless community here in the city. So rest in peace to Commissioner Nick Fish. Um, and on that note, I'll be sure to tell you all to uh, give it your all and whatever it is that you do. And we will leave you all the only way that we know how and that is to stay woke and go in.